Hallelujah. We, we give thanks to God for the privilege to be in the northern region. Uh, the atmosphere and the spirit here is calm. And I believe that God will flow into your heart tonight. Oh, great one, we call upon your name. And we ask that you look upon us with mercy. Stretch forth your hands to heal, to deliver, and to bring to the knowledge of yourself in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Please, you may be seated in the house of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The emphasis I'd like to draw your attention to in this scripture is ephemeries. The word ephemeries. If you just if you have a neighbor that is still hooked up to this scenario here, you can revive them by saying the word ephemeries. Now, according to the scripture, God decided to deliberately create man with infirmities. Infirmities talks about ailments. It talks about um, um, defects. It talks about challenges, limitations. So it was God's deliberate intention to create, oh my God, oh my God. Are you, okay. Amen. So those of you on the console, where is the council man? See, I, I am experiencing crusades. When we do crusades and this thing happens, we switch to the cord microphone. And the demons, they are handicapped under such circumstances. We must get this to work. Must. It's a must. We must work. So while we, while we wait, we'll continue with this. Stay with me. So as powerful as you are, you are reading, studying medicine, pharmacy, and all the highly cognitive courses, trying to get education so that you can develop some expertise in the area of your discipline. That's wonderful. The Bible is saying that in spite of all your acquisition in the area of knowledge, you were created defective. You were created with an ailment. An ailment that has made you grossly insufficient. And because of this intentional situation that was occasioned by God, you are sentenced to an existence that will require the Holy Ghost 
to cure your infirmities. That means you are not complete the way you are. That means you cannot, you are totally insufficient in trying to forestall a situation that is orchestrated from the realm of the spirit. Even, if, even though you may have a PhD here, you are still grossly incompetent to handle a situation that is orchestrated from the realm of the spirit. I heard of a professor, very intelligent man, and because of the weight of responsibility in his household, his wife decided to go to the village and to bring a young relative to help out in household chores. And unfortunately for them, the lady they brought was educated in the way of witchcraft. Very, very educated, well-schooled, well-groomed. Hallelujah. And two weeks into her resumption of duties in the kitchen, everybody in the place was afflicted and the doctors couldn't pick out what was wrong with any of the members of the household. It had to take spiritual scanning to uncover that there was treachery in the camp. The guy was highly gifted in terms of his mental powers. He was a luminary in terms of uh, his capacity to comprehend and to dispense knowledge. But he was totally handicapped in handling a situation that was orchestrated from the realm of the spirit. Such is the nature of our insufficiency. And God, by a deliberate intention, you might be 6.8, you might be 6.7, and you have biceps with broad chest. I came to tell you that you are insufficient. You are just, you are mighty in the physical, but you are insufficient. You have an ailment. And that's what infirmity means. You are ailing. You are, you are sick. You are, not, you are not capable. You are not, not competent to prosecute the dynamics of this life. And you were created that way, deliberately by God, because God intended that you will find the fullness in his spirit. That means the spirit of God has the capacity to swallow up every symptom of your insufficiency. However, this scripture where we read, which is supposed to be an introductory scripture, that will bring us into the discussion of the subject for the night. Even though the scripture reveals that we have infirmities, which is in the plural, that means there are diversities of ailments and limitations that God has allowed to be built into your life and into my life. And he did that deliberately. You may not know because you believe you are a very beautiful young lady that is competent in the area of your studies and your discipline. But your studies in bringing the seeds of knowledge into the soil of your soul does not by any means rid you of the ailments of which the scriptures speak about. 
Amen. Where's the, the console man? Oh my God. Hallelujah. We are still hoping that the hand of God will come upon you. The solution is right here and we will find it. So you will notice that in this scripture, infirmities is in the plural. But even though the infirmities are in the plural, in order to clear your doubt, what happened in this scripture is that God unveiled just one aspect of infirmities in order to show us how infamed we are. And the, the aspect of infirmity that God decided to choose You can do your engineering without talking. It's, it's handwork, not talk. We need sound, good sound. That's the end product of your of your of of the burden that is upon your hand. Not talk, but sound. Is it likewise in the same manner? It means the spirit does so many things and in addition to the things that he does he's a master of handling infirmities then he goes on to show us one area of infirmity just one even though we are a bag of infirmities he decides to show us just one area of infirmity and the area in which we have gross infirmity that the holy ghost decided to choose in this scripture is the area of prayer. He said, we know not what to pray. So, if for instance, you had an exposition, an angel visited you in the night, and said, man of God, God is so excited in heaven, now anything you ask him will be granted this moment. What this scripture is saying is that you will ask the wrong thing. As much as there is a provision for you to tap into limitless possibilities through prayer, you are going to be praying for the wrong thing if you are not helped. So one area in which your infirmity is quite obvious is in the area of prayer. You don't know what you should pray even though you were told that there is a jackpot in heaven. Secondly, if the angel comes back the next night and says, Pastor, that offer is still open. You can ask God of anything you want, but the prayer point that you should pray, because I checked the fire, is pray about your children. Just in case you have intelligence and you know that what you should pray for is about your children, the Bible is still saying that you don't have the capacity to pray as you ought to pray to prosecute that prayer point so that it can become effective and take advantage of the provision that is available in the grace of God. If the angel comes again and says, uh, the prayer point is about your children and you will need six hours prayer to prosecute the prayer effectively in order for it to register in heaven. Are you with me? 
this scripture is still saying again, that you don't have the words with which to prosecute the prayer because you will need groanings which human beings cannot utter naturally. See, on one subject, which is the subject of prayer, we have three layers of infirmity. Just one subject. Meanwhile, the Bible says that we have infirmities. So it might be that in another subject we may have seven layers of infirmities. It might be that in yet another subject we might have 14 layers of infirmity. So we are a bag of limitations. In fact, the best English word for infirmity is that we are ailing. We are unwell. And I'm talking about the best of us, the brightest of us. I'm talking about the strongest of us, the wisest of us, the most competent among us is ailing. And the ailment is so grievous that there's no drug in the house of the pharmacist that can cure any one of us of this gross level of ailment. And God decided to create us deliberately with these infirmities because his intention is that we should find the Holy Ghost and in him all of our weaknesses will be helped. If you are still with me, say amen. Amen. You will need to understand the ministry of this personality called the Holy Spirit that is designed to be the helper of our infirmities because by God's design, we were created with insufficiencies and that the one-stop solution for all our quagmires is rooted in the dynamics of the ministry of a certain personality called the Holy Ghost. In the book of John chapter 16 that I just read to you, it was a presentation that was made by Jesus. And in this presentation that Jesus made, he was trying to introduce a new regime in the economy of God. Are you with me? I hope I didn't use a word that you cannot relate with. For instance, during the time of the incarnation, the actor on the stage of the economy of God was Jesus. And the entire portrait and purpose that was captured in redemption is that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men might become sons of God. So in the incarnation, after the fall of man, God had two options of how to deal with the circumstance, how to deal with the situation. The fall of man had inflicted upon man such a grievous mutation that man doesn't know how man was expected to function. And there were two ways that God could handle the situation. The first way was for God to take one man into heaven and then recalibrate him in heaven. Show him how man is supposed to operate and then bring him down. Another approach to that problem was to bring one man from heaven and bring him to the earth to show us how men 
are supposed to function. And God decided to choose the second option. And that's why Jesus came. The manifestation... No, 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 no. That's grievous. This evening is a crime to clap. Yesterday I was trying to be nice. I'm from the wilderness. Go on. Nigeria has north and south. I'm from the north, from the wilderness. All right? Yesterday I was trying to be nice. That was, that's not how I am. Today is a crime to... My master was not impressed with the clapping. When I went back to submit to him, he said, who were they clapping for? And I couldn't answer. Don't put me in trouble. And I'm very serious. You may not know that I'm very, very serious. Very serious. You know, some people are professional preachers. They, they, they started preaching from when they were young. And for them, it's about performance and stage act. Some of us were called by Jesus. Are you with me? Some of us were called. We answer to him. He's the chieftain. He's the one that gives the marching orders. And you, you either fail or succeed consistent with how compliant you are with his purpose and his, his agenda. No one is a champion before that master. Don't pitch me against him because I will fight. So I, I, I want to believe my warning is understood. All right. Listen to me. Listen to me. God, he decided that, all right, I have a plan. And the plan was he created man in his image and after his likeness. How many of you have seen a glove before? A hand, hand glove. It is created in the image of a hand. And the intention in the mind of the manufacturer is that that glove will play host to a hand someday. So you were created in the image of God because God wants to be hosted in your vessel. And, and that's the reason for which God decided to add, surrender himself to a certain kind of handicap. And the handicap that I'm talking about is that he decided to be spirit. It was a decision. And being spirit, according to the royal decree, has excluded God from the entities that have the right of way to operate in this three-dimensional frame of reference. Because this world is not designed for spirits. Designed for three-dimensional creatures. Creatures that have bodies of earth are the only ones that are licensed to operate here. So even though God had this handicap, by reason of the royal decree I showed you yesterday. His intention to influence the realm of the earth is captured in the fact that he wants to wear man. Your spirit component will become his house. And the first time that God had a house, because God was wandering all through eternity in search of a house. I know you don't believe that, so don't worry. Um, Let's do Isaiah. Please stay with me and don't make Jesus angry with me. With your 
shout and clap. I will need to do a, 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 a lecture with you for seven days before you know how to clap well and who to clap for. In the absence of that lecture, clapping is outlawed. VC, how many times in the book of Psalms does the Bible say we should clap? How many? Do you know? Okay, you, you don't. So, so we, we need to do a lecture before you understand when to clap and who to clap for. Are you there in the book of Isaiah? All right, let me look for my scripture. Give me a moment so that I can... Okay, I'm, I'm actually referring to Isaiah chapter 66. We we'll begin from verse 1 and verse 2. Now, I want to teach today. So, stay tuned. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house? The emphasis of this presentation is about a dwelling. It's about a house. Are you here? Oh my, you are not here. You see that word house? If your Bible is not borrowed, you can underline it. It says, where? The heaven is my throne. I have an accommodation. But I don't have a house. I have a place of abode. I have a place from whence I operate. But I, I don't have a dwelling. The earth is, the, is my footstool. That's where I set my foot to rest. So I have an operational workstation. But what I need now is what? How many of you have an office? Those of you that are functionaries on this campus, you have an office? Huh? All right, you, uh, Doc, you have an office. There's a difference between your office and your house. There is a place you operate from. You gather your lectures. You gather, you mark your scripts. You register everything that you need to register. But you need a house. So God is saying, I have a place from whence I operate. I have a workstation. I have a table. I have infrastructure from whence to deploy my intentions. But what I'm looking for is a house. So he said, where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Two questions. Are you following my question? There is a house that God will not build for himself. There is a house that you will build for him. And there is a place that God will find rest. Oh, how I wish I had time. If I had time, I would have shown you the 12 pillars of the civilization of heaven. These 12 pillars of the civilization of heaven, the first pillar is called rest. R-E-S-T. Rest. 
Oh my. Are you here? Every spirit being has an allocation for rest. And that's why the Bible revealed that when God walked for six days, what happened to him? He rested on the seventh. Because the economy of rest must be built for every spirit being. Guess what? Only demonic spirits do not have an allocation of rest. And so the Bible says that when an evil spirit is casted out of a man, he goes about in dry places looking for rest. But there's no allocation of rest for him. It's because of the absence of rest that he considers the previous accommodation that he was operating from. So God needs a house and God needs a place of what? Oh my, you are not with me. Well, okay, since you are not with me, let us forget about rest. Rest. In Isaiah chapter 11, the Bible says, with the stammering of of the lips and with the new tongue will I speak unto these people. Then he went forth and said, this is the rest. That means, he was talking about speaking in tongues. That the pathway to rest that he created for your own spirit, because your spirit too needs rest. Oh, okay, forget about that. Now, there are two things here. There are two things here. If you don't, if you don't want the Bible, don't invite me. It's because we have not been doing Bible study that necromancers, soothsayers are wearing suits in churches in Ghana. And they cannot, you can't decode them because you are not rich in the word of God. Huh. Well, the Lord will help us. Now, God is saying, I need a house and I need rest. Two things he needs. And in the expanse of the heavens and in the expanse of the earth, these two things that God needs are not provided for. I know somebody is speaking to me. Let me clear your doubt. The person that is speaking to me. Somebody is speaking there. I can hear the person's thoughts. Let me clear your, your doubt. Um, you remain here, okay? Remain there. But the scripture I'm opening is in the book of Exodus Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 and verse 17. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was what? Refreshed. Just to clear your doubt. That's why I read it. The Bible says God was refreshed because God needs to. There's an allocation of refreshment that God needs. I know you don't believe that. He needs an allocation of refreshment. 
This rest, this principle of rest, is what Sabbath, the Sabbath, the seventh day, that's what it reveals. Sabbath is, is pointing to that rest, which is in the spirit. That's what Sabbath, Sabbath is a, it's, is, 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 um, is, is an institution that points to rest. And this rest I'm talking about is part of the civilization of the spirit realm. Are you here? And God is saying that I need a house and I need rest. In this scripture. Alright? Next verse. He said, for all those things have my hand made. Referring to the heaven and the earth. And all those things have been. Their presence have been for a long time. But my need still remains. Exactly. But to this man, so when God is considering an accommodation and a place where he can find rest, where, where does he look? Looks to man. On this man will I look. On this man will I consider. It's not in every man, not in every believer that God finds rest. But there is a possibility that he may find rest in your vessel. There is such a possibility. Oh my, you are not here. It says, on this man will I look, even to him that is poor, such a personality that acknowledges his spiritual inadequacy. Because before the Holy Ghost can become your help, you must acknowledge first and foremost that you are infamed, you are inadequate, you are insufficient. You will never know the power of the Holy Ghost if you are never brought to the point where you acknowledge your limitations and your infirmity. That's what that poor there means. That's the same meaning for poor in spirit in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Such people that acknowledge their spiritual inadequacy. It's in the heart of this man that is conscious of his limitation that I can rest. So if you believe you are a champion, you believe you are a way maker, you believe you are a possibility engineer, he will not rest in your, he won't find rest. The place will be full of thorns. No rest. He has a workshop, but he needs a house. He has a workspace, but he needs a place to rest. And he's not rested for a long time. And he's considering man as the accommodation where he can find that reality called rest. If you are still with me, say amen. Yeah. All right. It says, this man that can give me rest is such a man that is poor. Such a man that acknowledges the fact that he is a bag of infirmity. Such a man that knows that his sufficiency cannot be drawn from himself. Such a man that is of a contrite spirit and acknowledges the authority of the word of God. You know, many of us don't believe in the authority of God's word. Because God's word said, thou shalt not steal. Say, thou shalt not fornicate. That's the word of God. That's the king speaking. And he rules by decree. 
You know, these days what we do on Facebook is to argue scripture. You know, we can look at it from the day you stand before the king, the day you stand before him. You will cause every statement that you made on that platform because it will be recalled. You think you are dealing with a politician? That you can manipulate the variables? God is not a prime minister. He's not a president. He's not a senator. He's not a chancellor. He is a king. So he doesn't consult with you. And he rules his kingdom not by brute strength. He rules, he rules his kingdom by decrees. And when he speaks, he himself becomes subject to what he has spoken. Because his words become law. That's the kind of God we are talking about. And that's why he doesn't use words the way you use words. You can come and say, your head bigo, that's you. Are you with me? I hope you know the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. I know your understanding of that scripture is that God, even though God can lie, but God is so modest, so righteous, he doesn't lie. That's not the meaning of that scripture. The Bible means that God cannot lie. That means even if he says something that seems not to be accurate, because he has said it, it will become true. That is, that is it. So because of that kind of power, he cannot come and say your head big old, because your head will become big. God's words have the ability to create what they say, so he doesn't use it as, as humorous as Jesus was. When he walked this world, he never cracked a joke. Never. Not one joke. Why? Meanwhile, he was a friendly man. He could come into a place and lighten the place up. He could interface with unbelievers and bring them to a point where they see their insecurity. Jesus, in all of his ministry, never had a pulpit. In the days of his flesh, what we call his ministry, but the things he did in the market, the things he did during burial ceremonies, he broke barriers. You, you need a bow tie, you need an African tie. You need a very long microphone, and every day you are saying hallelujah, hallelujah. And your neighbors are dead. We're only strong in the pavilion, in the building. And meanwhile, our God has not found a place to rest. And Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he said to them, foxes, they have holes. He said, birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere, no place to lay his head. What's the meaning of that? What is the meaning of that scripture? Oh my, you are not, you are not coming. You are not coming. You see, you know that after he made that statement, the next few verses, he took the, the brethren to his house. So he had a fiscal house. So what does Jesus mean when he said that the son of man has no place? And what he wants to lay is not his body. What he wants to lay is what? His head. It is only in the church that Jesus finds a place where he can exercise his headship. Mm, he was referring to headship. And the church provided a platform for him to exercise his headship. If we go into detail right now, 
you will find out that in many lives here, Jesus is not Lord. That means he is not resting. The ministry you started, nobody instructed you. You just felt that I preach more than James. And James is doing well in ministry. I should, when we were on campus, I was the one that was the president. He was prayer secretary. And you use your mundane permutation as a means of sending yourself. Jesus cannot rest there. It's a work of rebellion. It's not in alignment with his headship and his government. He's looking for a place where his government can sit. His hopes are tied to that possibility. The son of man has no place to lay his head. We have so many preachers in the city, so many preachers in the land, so many preachers in the nation, but few preachers that give him rest. Few preachers that align with his government and give him an opportunity to express himself. He's bottled up. His, his purposes, his wills, his passions are bottled up in him. He will need a container, a vessel to diffuse those, those passions in him. So accept his headship. Find a place. He will be restless. And that's why when he says, I want an evangelist from your family. Then the first generation comes and they serve idols. He doesn't change his mind. If he has spoken, that's what he will get. Second generation. Third generation served idols. Fourth generation served idols. Fifth generation. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then one person now goes to Kumasi. And then he gives his life to Christ. That thing he said ten generations ago, that word, can now rest. That's why the Bible said, just say it. It means he said it before. He's still saying it now because the world has not found a place to rest. He's still saying it. What is it that God said about your family that he's still saying? You are still your own ground, but he's still saying it because that world cannot rest. So when you come into a territory, there are two things that are in the atmosphere. There are curses in the atmosphere because of the violation of the standards of God, compromise of the ways of God, and trespass on the commandments of God. Curses hanging in the realm and looking for people to, to implement them. May you not implement darkness. Oh, you know, when you came to this campus, you felt you were, oh my God, a virgin lady. Until in 200 level, you have the, your escapades in sex are so multiplied that you can't recognize yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. It was hanging in the atmosphere looking for fulfillment. It's unfortunate that you began to fulfill what the devil intended and in your life, Satan found rest because he was able to gain a platform for expression. You gave Satan visibility. You gave him impact. You provided a platform for him to gain memory and worship. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Meanwhile, God is looking for a creature that he can descend upon so that he can find rest. And that creature will need to tremble at his, at his word. 
that creature will need to be submissive in his spirit. Contrite and submissive. Humble and loyal in his spirit. That creature will need to acknowledge his inadequacy. As long as he doesn't find that creature, he will still be looking. There are so many men, but he has not found rest. He will still be navigating. He can even wipe all of us out and wait for our children. Because he's immortal, he's ancient. Time is always on his side. Time. Rest. So it doesn't matter how many men come to your campus. The numbers mean nothing. It is rest, he seeks. And he couldn't find it in heaven. He said, on this man will I look. Even unto him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. You people that came here, virgins that have become strange creatures, are you not concerned that how come I excelled so much in immorality? Meanwhile, I was, I was a virgin. There, there, there was an ability in the spirit waiting to possess a heart. So that expression can find it, can, can manifest. And the same with those that were not born again, that came here, and because of association, they were brought into places where they began to touch God. And right now, you are so different. Even your family members know that there's a shift in you. How come it happened? It was hanging in the, in the atmosphere. So I decided that I will not be a pawn in the devil's chessboard to manifest the things of darkness. While I was on campus, the challenge I had was many lecturers were intimidated with the level of intelligence that I manifested. Because they felt that, okay, maybe someday I might accept to lecture. And if I do, uh, the lecturers in our department, I can, I can cram textbooks. I cram textbooks, cramming. I can lift it. Yes, I used to do it. Handouts of 700 and something. I used to lift it here. So, yes, yes, yes. If I tell you otherwise, I lie. And the intention of telling you is not to make you think that I'm a champion. They were threatened. So when I eventually became a preacher, they said, oh, what waste. Oh, this is what you became. I had the ability to cram the notes and come into the lecture hall without any material and give you notes with structures. Yeah. I used to sit in the front during examination so that it would be on record that I didn't cheat. I don't need to be at the back. But, but the purpose of the endowment, oh, you don't understand, you don't understand, you don't, you don't understand. When I was on campus, ladies used to call me genius, the genius. I never slept with any one of them. Because I, I knew what it means to afford God the opportunity to find rest. That my own life would be spent not in the way of darkness, not in the way of, of my uncles, my ancestors. I made a choice. It would be spent in realizing a kingdom dream. My father, my God... He is obsessed. There is a manifestation of him that must come into the world. And I submit to be the agency through which he can find rest and diffuse his grace so that there can be a performance in my time. 
those days, when lectures finish, maybe the diploma people finish lectures, you see a mammoth crowd. All I need is a platform. If you can carry me up so that the people can see who is talking. And once I start talking, people must give their life to Christ. Meanwhile, if you put me down and I'm not preaching, I'll begin to stammer. But if I am, if I, if I, that's how it was easy for me to know that I was called to preach. I was born a stammerer. There was nothing else I could say. But if it's the scriptures, ooh, the utterance will come. You will know that what is happening, the, the, the articulation, the delivery is not human. There is a spirit that finds pleasure in giving me that capacity. And that spirit found rest. Anytime I, I gave him the opportunity to become the utterance that speaks through my vocal cord. I started reading newspapers at the age of seven. Newspapers. I understood politics at the age of twelve. My cousins knew that I was, I was coming to be a, a major luminary. My cousins. And when they found out that it was preaching I'm doing, they almost cost me. Because their parents put pressure on them. They normally use me as an example. See him. He can read newspapers. He can interact intelligibly with the politics of the land at the age of 11. See you. So they used me as a means of afflicting them. Then they now heard he is a preacher of Jesus. And they said I was cursed. But you know what? They have come back after many years, even those that are Muslims, to seek the way forward. Because I decided to give a spirit, a spirit that was wandering, looking for a platform to rest upon. He found ventilation inside of my heart. So he is the strength, he is the power, and he's the one that swallows up every infirmity. And I can tell you the truth, I had a very terrible infirmity, which was speaking. The spirit that I speak about that swallows up infirmity, he swallowed up mine. I'm a proof that he's alive. The expectation was that when I finish my first degree, I should go for master's quickly. So that probably I'll have a PhD before I'm 30. When I finished my first degree, the great one came and said, this is the, the last level of formal education. Yes, the great one. I died. I died. Many years later, when he showed up, he said, the reason why I gave you this capacity is because of the, the scriptures. That will be your ground of mastery. So I studied the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. I began to cram it for years, five years, twelve years. 17 years 21 years yes and the whole bible joined back and forth when i come to a place i discern where you are on your pilgrimage before i begin to preach 
Because that is what the Spirit wants. That's what, that's the testimony He wants to manifest through my vessel. And your life in the Spirit is a story that God is telling from heaven. Your walk with God is a story that God is telling from heaven. People should be able to look at you like they looked at David in the days when David lived. The compatibility between warfare and worship was revealed through his life. The story God was telling through the life of David was so clear. If your story is not clear, it means you have other gods. On this man will I look even unto him that is poor and of a contrite heart that trembles at my word. I come from a family of scholars. Among my brothers, I'm the least in scholastic powers. Our, my, our firstborn is a guru. Yes, a guru. And uh, he, last week, he came to where I was preaching and he sat down. After the message, he called me and said, how do you do this? Things? I said, it's a gift. He said, but me, I know he's old enough to know that this is not how gifts are operate. How do you do? How do you do these things? I said, ah, for 17 years, I've traveled this way. I traveled here deliberately for 17 years. Because I found I found what he wanted. I found the way he will find rest. There is something he wants from your family. Only him knows how many generations he has sought it. It is because of that that he occasioned and commanded generational blessings to flow through the lineage. And those blessings were used as instruments to adorn demons and devils of the forest, of the graveyard, and of the wilderness. But if one person from that clan, from that lineage, sends the cry, sends that there is a spirit that has not rested. And the same things he spoke before, he's speaking again because they have not yet come to pass. And decides to align himself. He is on a path. A path that no foul knoweth. A path that the vulture's eyes have not seen. A path that the lion's webs have not trodden. A path that the fierce lions have not looked upon. That's the path of songs. Even angels do not peep into those paths. The secret of the Lord that with them that fear. The Spirit of God comes to swallow your infirmity, your weakness, your insufficiency. So that through your life, a testimony can find expression. Something stronger than what you are studying. Something greater than the knowledge that you have used to fertilize your mind. Then he gives you an ability that you are not born with. Gives you a capacity that you never learned, that you never studied. Because in you, he will have a house. He has, he has been wandering for so long. 
But the idea is that he intends to wear you as his house. And from the pinnacle of your spirit, when he finds the gradient of submission, he flow out, flows out of your vessel, takes custody of your soul, so that you can think his thoughts, you can see his sights, you can see his shape, you can understand his form, and you can manifest what you see. It is only in the vessel of man that he can rest. Ooh. The reason why we speak about the occultism in the north is because many men give themselves to demons, to devil, to idols, to altars. They have worshipped dwarfs and the spirits of the forest had given them direction. But if only one among us can decide that I will give him rest. Just like foxes, they seek for holes. Just like birds, they need a nest. That the Son of Man will find a place in your life to establish the principle of his headship so that you are not the one in charge, but he's the one calling the shots. How many of you have read 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians 11. Um, um, young men, young men. Remove it. The wall is enough platform there. Alright? The enemy was so troubled during the message, he had to touch this thing. He had to say, Kai! <laughs> when the real things begin to happen, even demons are agitated. Devils are stirred up. Oh, many warlocks have told me, you will die, you will die. I'm still here. Because <laughs> I live by the will of him that has found me as a resting place. I live by the will of him that has cured my vocal cord of infirmity and given me utterance to proclaim his kingdom, his power and his glory. I live by him. So no weapon that is formed against me shall be able to prosper. Many warlocks have been made liars on my account because my life is not in their hands. Many even died. <laughs> if you know what I speak, you will know that there is nothing left to fear in this world of man. Nothing left to fear. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Quickly. From verse 1. Paul gives us a permutation. He gives us. He said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Can you see here? We have a chain of command. The pinnacle is Christ. Then Christ flows into him, who functions in spiritual leadership. And then he flows out of him to the membership. So what we are seeing here, is headship, leadership, and membership. The same thing you'll find in the book of Psalms 133. It says it's like the oil that flowed through Aaron's head, headship, through his beard, leadership, and onto the skirts of his garment, membership. There is a chain of command in the territory, in the structure of the body. Because the essence that the body is supposed to carry is that oil of anointing that flows from the crystals. 
so that when the woman with the issue of blood comes and she has the only opportunity she has is to touch the hem of the garment the thing that is on the head will be available through alignment at the skirt of his garment I didn't say you should move just stay where I want you to stay now you can't move now verse 2 he gives us a permutation in verse 2. Oh my God. Alright. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2, he gives us a permutation. He said, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them unto you. But I will have you know. That's where I'm going, verse 3. Can you go to 3? But I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The subject here is headship, not head tie. Exactly. There's a structure that is trying to reveal here. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. That's a structure that carries the texture of the nature of alignment that is needed to make the family an extension of the kingdom of God. Headship, Christ. Then there's an alignment. Every man aligns to Christ. And every woman that is in the clan aligns to the man. And so there is a flow of the substance of the crystals to establish the purposes of God in the earth. The question now is what is flowing through you? Is it your human intelligence? Your human ability? Because most people do ministry on the resources of human capacities. And the Bible calls your capacity an ailment, an infirmity. Until you know the Holy Ghost, you are in the jungle of jokes. Because in you, God has not found rest. You will know when you do his will, he registers his pleasure on your heart. He's telling you, I found rest today. Because if I were a physical man, what you did today is what I would have done. He registers it. And it flows like a river. When he begins to infuse his thoughts into your thoughts that's when he had decided to flow and then you begin to think his thoughts you are upgraded to understand his body to understand that which disturbs him then you become the agency through which he can effect that which was troubling him you can fulfill it you can bring it to pass and then he registers his, his pleasure it is only people that live like this that understand what it means when the Bible says that the joy of the Lord will become their strength. Because him that dwells in you is joyous. Then you are strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. An entire economy of the grace of God is at work when God finds rest in the heart of a man 
the book of John chapter 16 where we read Jesus was making an introduction. And the introduction that he was making was about a new regime when the Holy Ghost is going to be the actor on the stage of implementing and administering the purposes of God. Jesus was trying to make us understand that there's going to be a shift the emphasis of the way he operated and administrated administrated God's purposes. For instance, when Jesus walked this world, there was no need for you to fast. Fasting was not part of the requirement in the spiritual arsenal. Because like in John chapter 9, if you wanted to find out anything from God, it was as good as walking to Jesus and say, who seen that this man was born blind? That's a prayer of inquiry. You don't need to fast to do that. You just need to pay for your ticket and go where Jesus is and ask him, why are we from Ghana? Then Jesus will now say, okay. In the studio, in hallowed antiquity, in the reservoir, when you existed as a seed of eternity, I gave a decree and all the mensas that will come generation after generation, they lined up. I allocated you to Ghana because because me, you know, have you seen that scripture that says his is the power, his is the kingdom, his is the glory. Huh? Yes, yeah, so he is the one that has ultimate power. So when he did all of that and made you a mensa, he didn't consult you because he wielded an authority that was exclusive to him. So when he walked this world, inquiry was as, as good as just walking up to him and asking him your question and he reaches back and brings a perspective so there's no need to pass. but unfortunately when he finished on the stage of satisfying the claims of divine justice and he was withdrawn into heaven as an administrator of the purposes of God even in the capacity of his office as a Christ the Holy Ghost came to the stage of this economy and Jesus in the book of John chapter 16 was trying to explain to us what to expect with this new administrator that is on the scene once upon a time in my university days there was this theoretical course that we were supposed to take and those days in our class if the course was theoretical it was an A but if it's mathematical, uh, you may not be very certain, but if it's theoretical. So we had already counted the cost to be an A until the lecturer went on sabbatical leave. They had to replace him with another lecturer. This lecturer had a master's degree in quantum chemistry. He had a master's degree in mathematics he had a master's degree in electrical electronics had a master's degree in physics had a master's degree in biological sciences and in Germany he was awarded a doctor of science DSC having the stature to lecture in any science department all over the world it is a man that comes to class with two sets of spectacles. You will wear one, then wear another one. Mm. 
Oh, Mama Iko. His notes were written in German language. It was a modicum of knowledge, and not so much knowledge had made him mad. I, when he looked at the course, which was supposed to be theoretical, he started the course by deriving Schrodinger equation. And he transformed the theoretical course into a mathematical course. And because we could not understand him, guess what happened? There were failures. Mass failure. So what I'm telling you right now is that Jesus is introducing another lecturer. And if you don't know the way of this lecturer, you will fail the course. Listen. In John chapter 16, he says, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. I know you didn't hear it. You heard it intellectually. Now, he didn't say when you receive Jesus. You know, the implication of being saved is that the Holy Ghost comes into your vessel. Alright? That is not the same experience as the spirit coming. You can be saved and the spirit is in you, but the spirit that is in you has not yet come. Just like it was possible for Jesus to sleep in a canoe. He was in the canoe, but he was sleeping. And the fisherman said, Carest not doubt that we perish. You can even perish and he's sleeping. So the fact that Jesus is in the canoe doesn't mean he's awake. So he has not come. So the, the, the storm can drown you and drown everybody there. But the Bible says that when this spirit is come, there are some things he will begin to do. And these things that Jesus said that when the Spirit comes, he will do, unfortunately for many of us, these are strange things. It means in your life, the Spirit of God has not yet come. He's in you, but he has not come. He has not begun his ministry. It means that you have potential, but yet you are still in trouble. Oh! Those days when we used to walk offshore, there was something called life jacket. And if there's an emergency, the first thing you do is you reach back and get your life jacket and get strapped. Are you with me? You may own a life jacket and die because you did not wear it. So if the purpose is that it was, it's supposed to deploy in your life, <laughs> it couldn't deploy it hanging, hanging on the shelf. So for many of us, the Holy Ghost is hanging. Because you still prosecute life on the strength of your wisdom, your strength, your intelligence, the, the counsel of your grandfather. And the Bible calls all of that if sickness, infirmity. May the Lord open your understanding to know how sick we are. And only the Holy Ghost can cure you. He said, when the spirit of truth is come. I don't have time to explain why Jesus called him spirit of truth. There's a reason. The way he dispenses knowledge, truth, reality, is not, <laughs> no time for that. But when he comes, the first thing that he will do is that he will guide you into all truth. The word truth, there's reality. I know that you have 
science departments here you have probably have the medical sciences here probably and for medical students you know that the cause of malaria fever is plasmodium either plasmodium malaria plasmodium vivax or plasmodium falciparum the reality behind malaria is plasmodium and anything you do that you are not touching plasmodium means you are not dealing with malaria you must deal with the pathology in order for you to be touching the matter that is manifesting all those symptoms so when the spirit of truth comes it doesn't treat symptoms it goes straight to the reality <laughs> meanwhile human beings can see symptoms and say yeah, you have headache your joints are weak you feel feverish so that's what human beings see because of the infirmities of human beings they cannot see reality you see someone and you deal with him based on your perception of him you are wrong the Bible says henceforth know we no man according to the flesh there was a testimony that Peter brought and Jesus said flesh and blood did not reveal this thing you went beyond what men do this is a witness from beyond you were given access entrance into things that are not mundane it's from there you bear witness because no one knows me it's only my father when will you start tapping from the resources of that transmitter When it comes, it drives you into the reality. Meanwhile, that's not how men operate. You can hear somebody give prophecies and they say, your name is this and that and that. And then when the spirit of truth comes, it shows you the familiar spirit that is speaking. Your eyes are open. You'll see that the familiar spirit will whisper. And then the man will pick it up and then he and then he makes a name as a prophet among you but not before the spirit of truth that operates and transmits from the realm of reality you will be deceived you will be a victim if you operate from the layer of symptom and you are not operating from the realm of reality and one of the things that the spirit of God does when he comes on the scene is that it, it travels with you into the source it travels with you into the origin. It travels with you into the place from whence it came. We were waiting for a preacher. I was hoping that maybe when he comes, I can receive an impartation. And when he came, he brought keys. Say key number one, key number two. God is not a key. God is not a key. I was embarrassed. Meanwhile, that's the thing they give people as preaching. Because it came from the soul, it will go to the soul. And it will even darken every counsel of God that you have received before. Make you a fugitive and a wanderer. You'll be looking for what is not lost. It's because you are not transmitting from the reality. When the spirit of truth comes, all of the confusions are casted out because it drives to the heart 
of the reality. Pastoring, we need to change. The, prospect, the prophetic ministry in Ghana, we need to change. Because the true people, the true prophets will soon come. You know, you know I was seeing one of your prophets giving the outcome of a football match. And he said, this is what prophets are called to. This is why we are here. <laughs> and I pitied all of you. I pitied all of you when I went. <laughs> Oh, I pitied every Ghanaian when I saw that. I said, God, you have gotten so used to people that operate from the superficial level. They tell jokes and they do tricks. And you say, Hallelujah! And you clap the way they are clapping. <laughs> and give money. <laughs> Enough of that emotion. It's for babes. You have supported the falsehood in your land and have made preachers like that to, to make a living. The days of that era have come to an end. That's come to an end. The time for half, for half measures and talk has come to an end because the spirit of truth comes to bring the perspective of the reality. There's this woman, she got married, and we know the woman, she's not, she wasn't a wayward person, but she could not take it. When they go for scanning everything, they say she's okay, the husband is okay, and there's nothing coming. First year, second year, third year, fourth year. Hey! And I was trying to find out what was happening. Upon touching her, the Holy Ghost now come. And say, ah, her womb. We need to go through a Sabbath of seven years so that she can be sanctified. Because a priest will come from that womb, so he must lie fallow for seven years. Meanwhile, she used to go for deliverance like this. May you not be that pastor that is operating in the outer court and you are using sunlight to look at people. Because if you pass from the outer court into the inter, inner court, it's, it's from sunlight you now use candlelight. When you pass from the inner court into the Holy of Holies, there is no window. It's Shekinah illumination. Where are you seeing from? The, 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 the difference is... Ah, it's sunlight. Lord said the womb will lie fallow for seven years to fulfill a Sabbath. And you will give birth to three princes in the seventh year. The first one came. It's not how great a prophet is. No. It is the spirit of truth. If you have not seen him, you will be a liar. You will lie. You will, you will say, yes, the football match, the football... Oi! You didn't see anything. And those are the things that you like. Those of you from Kumasi. Amen, amen. All, 
all the amen you have said, you have, your life has not advanced. Because in your life, the spirit of truth has not come. <laughs> I don't know when you get tired. I don't, it seems you like this game. You be going like this. Please help me tell your neighbor, whatever you do, don't be fake. We have too many fakes, just parading, just parading everywhere. Parading. Unauthorized functionaries. They don't know what it means for you to bear witness from the realm of reality. For Jesus said that the time has come and now is where the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in reality. Worship begins when you are taken to the realm of reality and you touch reality. Then your spirit man opens. In that place there is no lie. In that place there is no deceit. In that place there is no darkness. It is from that portal that you can give God that which is pure enough for him to accept. It means you know the language of the clan. When he, the spirit of truth is come. Second thing he does is that he will not speak of himself. He's neutral. He's not self-centered. All he does is that he provides infrastructure. Just like this microphone has provided the infrastructure for me to speak. And then you are hearing what I'm saying. Through the infrastructure of the public address system. The Holy Spirit now provides infrastructure. So that when Jesus speaks... You can hear. So that you can relate with Jesus. He provides the infrastructure. And that's why he is neutral. He's an infrastructure provider. You can peep into the heart of Jesus. You can wear and function in the mind of Christ. Because he provides the infrastructure. When last did you hear the voice of Jesus? When last did you hear the angels sing? When last did you see the, the, the dance that is in the spirit? All you know are the things in the natural. There's more excitement inside of your spirit than outside. And if you know what I'm talking about, you will know that Champions League is boring. It's boring. Premier League. The other day they say, hey, two countries are playing. Come, come and watch. After 15 minutes, I, I was... I, I, I began to pity them. You have gotten so used to the strings of the mortal people that you don't understand when the rings of eternity are sounded. You don't know what it means when the song of the Spirit rises. All you know are prayer points. But you don't know when God calls you to pray his own prayer. <coughs> calls you to sing his own song. Oh my God. Oh my God. When he, the spirit of truth is come, he provides infrastructure so that you can enter into the economy of things eternal. Things that were not built for time. They were built forever. 
It is only when you operate that way that you understand the reality of being an eternal excellency. Your days on earth might, might be accomplished, but the witness that you bore will live forever. How many of you have seen any book written by Watchman Nee? You read it before? It's as eternal as the Bible. You even wonder if it was a mortal like you and me that understood the things of God like that. That witness will never die. It will live forever. And as long as there are men that his witness will be made reference to. It was Jesus that introduced me to watch my knee. Jesus. He said, go. What you seek, you will not find it in a man, but you will find it in my son's words. And like Elijah's bones raised the dead, these books will bring you life. That's what Jesus told me. Jesus. He told me that. Then every of his book I found, I read it. When I finished all I could find, I found his disciples. And I began to learn from them. And I learned from, from them for 17 years. You will never know what path to go. You will never know where to set your foot. Your generation will be like a wilderness. Just like Accra. Accra is like a forest. If you don't know what you are looking for, it is when you get old that you will know that, ah, I'm 79. Accra is that place. You will just be moving. Moving until you are 79. That's when you know. Hey, how did I? It's like Lagos. In Lagos, you will see 5,000 people moving like this every morning. You know what? They are going nowhere. when the spirit of truth is come he opens the lattice of the things that you cannot learn the things that cannot be taught are brought to the fore and normal mortal people are taught the language such language of words that are spirits not English, not Yoruba language not Hausa language such words that are spirits then you become wise by the Holy Ghost and when you look at a man and look at his ways, you can predict without prophecy that this man will not arrive home. He has been made wise. He knows how immortals think. He has given offerings to creatures, to such beings that are senior to deities. And he has received blessings that have made him impregnable and no cause can walk on his life. He said, when the spirit of truth is come. I came to trouble you to desire to go on pilgrimage, on journeys, on pathways in the spirit. Because when God apprehends a son, what he does is that he sentences him to pathways. Just like Abraham was called to go to a place without an address. But he was given the Holy Ghost as equipment. The Holy Ghost gave him visions, gave him dreams. The map of his navigation came from every other encounter. And he was able to navigate by the investment of the Spirit and came to the land that God was sending him. By the time he went to Egypt, God had to tell Pharaoh he is a prophet. A man 
that didn't know where he was going but through the gifts of God he was able to find navigation. He said that man is a prophet. He has earned the status of a prophet. Go to him so that he can pray for you. And the first time the word prophet was made in the Bible was not in accordance, not in connection with prophecy, but with prayer. Oh, you just come and say, ah, oh, yeah. Do you know how much prayer went down before I came here this evening? You, you just want to come and say, ah, there's something. You, you are lying. Hi. Sit down. A, 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 a tank of prayer. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Go on. He will pray for you, not prophesy to you. Every son in the kingdom will have to pass, navigate through spiritual pathways in search of their inheritance. Your destiny was written before you began the journey and only the spirit of truth can lead you there. I want to end with a scripture. Job Job chapter 28 beginning from verse 7 He said there is a path which no fowl knoweth. He said the vulture's eyes have not seen it. He said the lion's webs have not trodden it or the flesh lions passed by it. He put it forth his hands upon the rock. He overturned the mountains by the roots. He cutted out rivers among the rocks and his eyes see it every precious thing. He binded the floors from overflowing and the thing that is hidden bringeth he forth to life. That's, that's what he will do for you. Fowls have not seen that path. The vultures have not looked upon it with the skill of their compound eyes. They don't know what is in the plan of God. And the reason why it is a path is because only one man will walk on it for his lifetime. Only one man. It's not a road. It's a path. There are things that vultures have not seen. There are things that fowls, even though they are detailed, they have feet like rakes, and they are detailed in their excavation. They have not looked upon it. Lions that navigate their pride lands have not stumbled thereon. There are things that only the Holy Ghost can bring to light. You want to pray? Let my pilgrimage in the flesh come to an end. I want to embrace the Holy Ghost. Let my journey as a mundane man come to an end. I want to receive the visitations of God. Oh, Jesus.
Mekura Saite Molade Mosaye Mosaye Agamo Balise Balise Mama Ole Bosora Imare Korababe
Rema.
the name of Jesus. It is very easy to capture God's attention if you know that you are limited. It is very easy to minister before the Lord if you know that you are insufficient. The Lord needs to deliver us from pride so that we can understand that we are insufficient. It will be a great deliverance for every one of us. And it will make it easy for you to access the mind of God. You know, while we were just worshipping, worshipping, what I saw was God's holiness. Then I began to plead with him. And I said to him, if you, if you stand on that standard, who will qualify? So I began to plead with him. He, 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 I don't know how to explain it to you, but that was what I said. I said, if, you, if, you, if this is the benchmark, hey, I began to plead to call upon him. I said, don't insist on this oh. because there was nothing like it. Preachers have become liars. Fake. It's because we don't know we don't know what it means to receive a revelation of the fact that you are inadequate so that you can go before him as a lame man. As a blind man. Then he will give you eyes because you have no eyes. He will cause the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. To know some things that were set in motion before the foundation of the world. That is the source of true power. Things ancient in God that existed before Satan was created. That's the source of true power. That's what you see when you stand before the devil. And he knows that you are rooted in things that existed before he showed up. The days of his glory have come upon us. And there are such among us here that God is going to choose to herald his glory in these days. I do not seek the praise of man. I, I, I want him to name me great in his sight. Before John the Baptist began to preach, the Bible says he was ordained to be great in the sight of God. I want him to name me great. And say, you are one of the great. Oh, oh, oh. And in those days, no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. The days of glory have been restored on the nation of Ghana. Nameless people from families that have never borne the burden of priesthood will arise from strange places. Uh, I mean strange quarters. Places like the north. Places like the Volta that have been known for idolatry and darkness. 
sickness suddenly the hand of God will come upon the sons of men and all the noise will end because when the perfect is come all the imperfections shall fade away I saw his holiness there was nothing as bright as it and I began to ask for mercy can we ask for mercy as a congregation I know what I am is not the best that I can be it is because I did not yield it is because I did not I was not attentive to hear you have mercy have mercy have mercy on me have mercy on me Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus ila makabunda liya. Volinasi kombre esali akovelansu ansaleta. Kami asome naite kevosilo kabalanto. We understand that you want to do a great thing in the land. We ask that you show us mercy. That from our numbers, from among our sons, from among our daughters, you will raise witnesses like John the Baptist. A born in and a shining light. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. So he has accepted to have mercy. That means his hands will come upon some people today and that hand will never leave you until your assignment is accomplished. A fire will come upon you and nothing will be able to quench it this night. <laughs> oh my God. Before we proceed, I have two instructions to carry out. If fire will come, don't worry. I'm talking about fire that will last. It will come. Listen to me. If you are close to that lady praying, touch her, touch her. Tell her, calm down. And if what is happening is something she cannot control, take her out so that I can talk. You can, there are intensive care units that you can deposit her for full expression. Listen. Ushers, do that quickly. Do that quickly. 
Quickly, quickly, quickly. Listen. If you are here tonight and you know you have been a deceptive person, you know you have not given your heart to Jesus, but you have Christian friends, you do some things, but you know yourself. You know what you are in the night. And the Holy Spirit has been able to find a way into your heart, and He knocked the door. And you know no one else can knock that door except the one that formed you, the one that created you. And you are willing tonight to respond to Jesus. You may even have a name that you are alive, but you know you are dead. You are the one I'm looking for now, so that I can present you to him. Who knows whether you are the one that he has been waiting for all this year, so that his spirit can find rest. So wherever you are, you know you are not born again. Leave your seat and come to me on the altar. I need to present you to him right away. Mind you, if you are ashamed of him in this broken world that has lost his meaning, he will be ashamed of you in the kingdom of his father. From outside, from the balconies, you want to make it right with the Lord, come to the pulpit area so that I can present you to him right now. I am waiting for you. Forget about your reputation among your colleagues your reputation in church. That is not what we are talking about right now. We are talking about an encounter with Jesus, submitting to Jesus, accepting that He will govern your life. You can make a move from the overflow, from the balcony. I await you. If indeed you mean business with God, this is your chance. You can step out right now. Those of you that are standing outside, just begin to ask him for mercy, for mercy, for mercy. I will count to the count of five. And if you are still there, your blood will be taken from my hand. One. You know the Bible says that the grace that brings salvation, it has appeared unto all men. And it appears to again tonight. I await you. Maybe people, mm -mm, mm, ushers, ushers, I gave you an instruction and you are refusing to follow my instruction. I said, take the lady out to a place where she can express herself. Please. I await you. It's a night of truth. Where hearts are open to Jesus in a naked fashion so that the Prince of Peace can minister the justice of your acquittal to your heart. Two! I was trying to imagine how it was for Adam when the Lord came to visit him in the garden in the cool of the day. 
even though we are many here, know that you are alone. And you can give him the opportunity to consummate his intention. He's been haunting you for a long time. And today is such a moment where he wants to embrace you with his love. And write your name in the book of life. The jokes are over. The savior of your life comes to take his place. The governor of your heart. Three. You might be a music minister, a man on the instrument, very popular. People know you, you are a man of the stage, but your heart is in darkness. Sometimes you fear because the terror of your ways visits you once and again. Those are moments of grace and mercy that are afforded you by the Lord so that you can be bold to rebel against the devil. There is an argument on your soul now. And Satan is bringing many reasons why you should not heed this call. May Satan not win the argument over your soul. There will be no reason sound enough to present before the Lord for the wasted life. The opportunities you had coming from a Christian home. Knowing the demands of the Lord, how that he wants you to be his vessel. And you have decided to be a rolling stone. As your brother tonight. I charge you. Come and make peace with Jesus. You can leave that boyfriend. You can leave that girlfriend. You can rebel against the devil. You can say I start afresh tonight. And nothing will stop me. When you become de determined. Satan becomes powerless. It may be. That the cry of your infirmities and wrongdoings have choked you where you are standing. The only man that can relieve you of that heavy burden is Jesus. Don't look at the preacher. The preacher can give you nothing. The moment you make your way to the front, begin to ask him for mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Make sure you are talking to him. The preacher can do nothing. He can help you. He can't help you. I'm waiting for the last person. Struggling there in the valley of the decision. May you not choose darkness in the abundance of light. He calls you tonight. He calls your name tonight. He makes mention of you tonight. If only you can heed. Please leave that girl. Leave that. Don't touch that girl. If you are in this hall, can you pray for these ones? And ask the Lord to have mercy on them. Can you break any hold of the darkness upon their soul? That today indeed might be that day of redemption. 
The burden of accusation that has haunted them for many years. Into the arms of the Savior they come. Talk to him. Don't keep mute. Don't keep quiet. Tell him what you did. Tell him of your rebellion, your departure, your strong heart, your unforgiving soul. Tell him. Tell him now. Ask him to show you mercy, to embrace you, to take you away from among the people that sit in darkness. Ask for his help. Ask for his help. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, your people call. They call to you. Have mercy. For their mouths have confessed. Even have they believe in their heart. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Look upon these ones with kindness and conscript them to become messengers in your kingdom. Oh, let the burden of sin be rolled away. Let the freshness of your peace, that is the warmth of your embrace, invade their soul. Oh, Lord, any any covenant, any transaction they have had with the kingdom of darkness. Through sin, through consent, mental consent, through acts of depravity, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let the hold of darkness be broken in the name of Jesus. Accept them into your kingdom. And write their names in the book of life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Yes, VC, how do, how do we proceed? Now, please look upon that lady with red. Just go with her for 15 minutes and you'll join us back for a moment of impartation. He will use you, sister. He will use you. 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 He will put his hand upon you. He will put his hand upon you. You will be amazed, but he will use you. He will use you. 
Number two. Someone is here, you have an eye condition. And Jesus is going to heal you in the next few seconds. You have an eye condition. I don't know the, the type of eye condition, but everyone that has an eye condition, if you use glasses, put it in your pocket. Just lay your hands on your eyes. There is somebody that Jesus is going to heal. He's going to correct your eyes. And when he does, I will now tell you what he wants me to tell you. So the way I will know you is that he will heal your eye. You can put your hands on those eyes right now as I pray. Don't remove it until I ask you to remove it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I give you praise. I give you glory. I thank you because of your great power. And this moment I arrest every blinding spirit. Every defect in the eyes. Short-sightedness. Long-sightedness. Glaucoma. Cataract. Astigmatism. Any form of eye defect. I arrest you. In the name of Jesus. I break your hold. In the name of Jesus. And I command that eye. Begin to see. Begin to see. Begin to see. In the name of Jesus. You can remove your hands and check your eyes. If you can't read, try to read. When you have confirmed the miracle, you can come out. I'll be waiting. When you have confirmed the miracle, if your case is that you could not read, could not see far, test your eyes. If you confirm the miracle, whether you are inside or outside, come to me now. You have five minutes to do that before we move to the next item. When you confirm it, come to me. When you confirm it, you come to me. When you confirm it, you come to me. Anywhere you are seated, under the sound of my voice. When you confirm it, you come to me. I'll be waiting. This is the second item on the agenda. When we are finished, we'll move to the third item and lastly the fourth item and I'll run away. If you confirm that your eyes have improved, come, I'm waiting. If you are more than one, Jesus will show me who he is talking to. Will I give a window of two more minutes so that if there is anybody else that is coming, I can 
know that. We'll give one more minute so that if there's anyone else. moment you notice that your eyes have improved, you join up. The issue tonight is not even the miracle, it's this is the way by which, hey, hey, who authorizes you people? Where is the second one? Go and bring that one. And next time, hmm? take, oh, take permission. Bring her quickly. I see great things. He will use you. He will use you. He will use you. And grace will be poured into your vessel. Go. In this thy might. In the name of Jesus. Yes, we have 30 more seconds for anyone that has noticed that there's a change. So you can investigate them. Let's be sure that it is true before we begin to carry out the instruction. There's an instruction. Someone I saw in the spirit, I'm not I've not seen the person here. And I'm wondering. Because the person is female. The person I'm seeing in the spirit is female. Now. And this female has not joined them. You were supposed to be the first person that is standing here. So why did you waste all the, all the time? You couldn't read. You, you can't read screens. What do you mean by screens? Uh-uh. So you are photophobic. So are, are you true? Yes. Yes, sir. Is that medicated? Huh? This is medicated. What?
You can see. Can you see now? You can even see the numbers there. Okay, so we have had these healings are authentic, they are real. And you know, when we do these things, some people believe that we come in the night to say, Okay, you will testify. You did I come to meet you in the night too? So uh, okay. brother in short he had an accident while he was young and he hit his eyeballs on something like a nail he hit his eyeballs on something like a nail and that had affected his sight ever since especially. affected his sight ever since and at the instance of the prayer this night there was an intervention on that eye and he could see when the prayer went on there was an intervention on the eye he can see now but you know i told you that the issue this night is not the miracle. One of you and maybe all of you or some of you as the case may be will be selected by Jesus. And the same way your sight was restored sight in the spirit will be given to you. I'm not sure you are convinced of your miracle yet. So go, go back. You are not convinced. Are you convinced? Okay, I'm going to pray. Ask Jesus. And tell him, I said, Lord, you have healed many eyes, but who were you talking about? Then he will come to you himself. Can we pray as a congregation? The prayer point is simple. We are asking Jesus, that one that you have chosen from among these people, show us a sign. Can, can we pray as a congregation? name. Alright, I will touch you and then after touching you, I will be talking to him. He will come. Lord, as you instructed, I have touched them. So touch them. I have touched them. So touch them. So touch them. Let your hand be strong on them. I have touched them. So touch them. I have touched them, so touch them. I have touched them, so touch them. I have touched them, so touch them. May, may you receive such sight 
beyond the sight of the eyes. Such understanding beyond learning. Such wisdom beyond such things that are taught from this night. From this night. Nothing will fail in your hand anymore. Nothing will fail in your hand anymore. From this night. Wisdom. Wisdom and direction from Jesus. Wisdom and direction from Jesus comes upon your life from this night. Henceforth, I bless you. I bless you. There are seven people in this auditorium. You will be given the gift of prophecy. Where are the ushers? Ushers, wave, wave your hand. Wave your hand. All right. Okay. Bring them to me. I want to talk to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, from my right hand side to my left hand side, to the balcony and the overflow, show me those seven people that you have given the gift of prophecy. Let your hand rest upon them. Now, ushers, just be sensitive. Just be sensitive. The hand of the Lord will come upon you. His hand will come upon you. There are seven of them. 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 Let me just touch. Let me touch. It's coming. It's coming stronger. It's coming stronger. It's coming stronger. It's coming stronger. Say to me at the scandalous I see a fire. Descending from heaven. It's a fire of an evangelist. A fiery evangelist. The fire will come upon you. One, two, three, four, five.
Come, come, come. I put it here. Pray, pray. Yeah. Tomorrow is for miracles. Signs and wonders. That's tomorrow. The Lord will do strange things in our midst. He will do strange things in our midst. Father, in the name of Jesus. begin tonight as men leave this place to their places of rest let the angel of your presence begin to encounter them let there be diverse transportations in the spirit let precious things of heaven be delivered unto many people let the encounter of this night never cease let it never cease let it be rooted let it be grounded in the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus. 